0: In a cloud where there are already too many film podcasts, you have to ask yourself, what's the harm in one more? Two ordinary men armed with unqualified opinions. Talk filmy to me. Hello,
1: and welcome to the Talk Filmy to Me podcast, a film podcast about news, entertainment, general pop culture. Each and every week, we drop a podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever ever good podcast services are found. And just maybe. Once in the blue moon, we'll do a live stream or two. It is a fucking hot night. The UK is absolutely smeltering. My dad always says to me, you know that cheesy thing your dad always says to you? My dad always rings me up and goes, oh, it's a hot one in the city tonight, boy. Um, and uh, I got that text again. Uh-huh. But alas, I've got some amazing people with me, as you can hear in the background. Jamie, West End fame, how are you doing?
2: Hi, doing good. Thanks, Flinty. That's very flattering. My one West End credit.
1: <laughs> hey, we, we we milk everything here, right? So, for example, just to drop a thing in, we interviewed the, the one of the producers and cast members of Host, which is currently doing the rounds uh, around the interwebs, 100% Rotten Tomatoes. I just want to point out, we were one of the first people to interview them. That's right, Empire. We don't put it behind a paywall. Oh, shots fired. Just <laughs> um, anyway my main man john Descamento, the best man of music twitter now whenever i say this i do get people every now and again saying well what about this person and send me a tweet to someone's blog this guy makes music he doesn't just comment on it he makes it john Descamento, how are you doing pal
0: i'm very very good thank you for that amazing intro who are these people anyway
1: Obviously. Uh, Mainly my, my dad. Uh, <laughs> his, uh, John Crick, who's that guy? Hot one in the city tonight, boy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what a good father-son relationship you have. But, um Yeah, he's, a, he's our main subscriber. Um What um what are you doing in this heat? How are you trying to cope in this heat? Well, you might hear in the background uh, some fans blowing, which we make no
0: apology for. Hey, John, I'm your number one fan, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, you're definitely number two, because this one is far more important it's in my life right now but um thunderstorms are coming hopefully this ain't gonna last too much longer because us Brits don't know what to do
2: well there's ages
1: moaning about it don't we we do
2: yeah you can talk about nothing else when it's this hot and myself (laughs) included I feel like I've fully assimilated now because all I can talk about on a day like today is how hot it is
1: the weather yeah Mm-hmm. there we go i was listening to some old episodes like age which is never a good thing to do mm-hmm. uh, because i you realize that you're not very good and also you haven't improved that much uh but uh we used to spend ages talking about the weather as like our patter of intro oh. and uh i was just like oh let's let's bring that back let's talk about weather since it's really hot is there anything like things so do you remember the tv show black books yeah Right. So, so Jamie, uh, that's why we, hey, we love having you on here. Cause hey, you're an amazing person. Your voice is so much more professional now. And also you remind us over the stuff that we might not necessarily take for granted. That's in that. We watched were growing up. So in the UK, there's a TV show called black books, highly recommend it. It's on uh, channel Four streaming services. And I think, nbc in america at the moment um comedian bill bailey uh, used to run a bookshop like that's the premise of the of the tv show and there's one episode in particular where they talk about um it's a heat wave going through london and basically i won't ruin it but it's hilarious it's like british comedy at its finest people like simon Pegg used to pop up on it from time to time i Think Edgar Wright is involved in some sort, shape, or form, and Dylan Moran is hilarious on it as well. But um, one particular thing, Bill Bailey used to look when it was getting really hot. He'd look at books of cold things to try and feel feel cooler. And uh, I wonder if there was any films or TV shows that you would watch to try and that would somehow cool your body or make you feel cooler when you were watching. Maybe Batman and Robin.
2: That's exactly what I was thinking.
1: Nice <laughs> yeah. to meet you. <laughs> 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 uh, uh for me it's the thing like that's a really cold f- film like you put it on go Oh, that's cold don't it
2: oh yeah because they're uh, in like antarctica or something yeah
1: yeah. the whole film's like like set there so i went and there's those, those lovely scenes where it would pan away and show mm. like just the cinematography film's fucking brilliant anyway but it's just you generally felt cold watching it or um oh inception you know, like uh, in the third act when they go to that big... I can't remember what it was. They don't even bother setting the premise. It's just <laughs> you know, like it's
2: a, some kind of big bunker thing.
1: Big bunker, looks like a James Bond thing, and they're going to do skiing, and it's going to be really cold. And you think, oh, that looks cold, doesn't yeah. it? It's batshit,
0: that last uh, act, isn't it? Unashamedly. But, um...
1: uh, I, I mean, it's over 10 years old now. I know. I watched it very recently, and it's aged really well. In my it, it does. Okay, that's good. That's good. We should have like this list. Maybe we put it on the the Twitter account or the website that I've been building for two years. Um, that uh, we should have like the, this list of films that age well. You can go back to films that haven't aged well. Do not go back to and films that have aged so badly they actually should be removed from and <laughs> stuff like that. And uh, it's good. I'm good. To, it's good to hear that Inception is in the that right hand column of still ages well. What else? There was another nolan movie that age uh, has like hit a massive milestone you think god I'm old i think it's um, interstellar hit like a milestone i think that's like oh. like 8 years or something ridiculous as well um but anyway uh, <laughs> this wasn't history lessons we've talked films to me um shall we talk about some news news there's been lots of stuff that's happened over the last couple of weeks in particular so uh, mulan this is massive actually this is a massive shift uh mulan is going to be moving on to disney plus from the 4th of september and the way they're going to be doing this is that if you are a disney plus subscriber you'll be able to rent this they say rent but it'll be on your account and you'll be able to watch it whenever uh for the price of 30 dollars what's our take on this guys like is this another nail in the coffin of cinema or is this just a one-off thing
2: That's expensive. Am I crazy?
1: Yeah. So you're already subscribed to Disney Plus,
0: and then you have to pay another thirty dollars to watch Mulan. Am I right in thinking? Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, But okay, so look at it this way: if you've got a fan for like the one cinema goer, it's a bit of a rip off. But you're like, if you're a family, then you would have probably paid that amount to go to the cinema anyway, and now you can watch it at your leisure. Now, certain films deserve a big screen and i think mulan is probably one of those films that deserve a big screen yeah you see from the trailers and the thing they're going for like you need to see that fucker and imax yeah. and everything else there's also like a, a thing about is this financially viable now this all happens because of trolls believe it or not trolls world tour um, was a movie that was due to come out just for the pandemic uh, dreamworks basically said no nah, fuck it take a punt on it um video premiere vod was a thing that was birthed from this and people could go purchase trolls world tour for a similar price and it done gangbusters like it made them something like 600 million dollars and that all of a sudden made people go hmm what's what's going to happen in the future now in america there are two massive uh, cinema chains owned by amc and universal and they basically come to a gentleman's agreement recently as well the gentleman's agreement is that when cinemas do resume there's only going to be a window of sevens up to uh, the earliest of 17 days before that would drop onto VOD. So not only are we getting films which are a being able to be distributed a lot quicker, but the cinema chains are going to start constricting the window that they can start appearing on cinema. So that's, that's a lot of purists are going nuts about this on film Twitter. I'm kind of, I don't really know where to sit on this. Um, one of the things I will say is that Mulan, for better or worse, is being remade in a completely different way to what their, their other live-action retakes have been making. And there's also an element of, for certain people around the world, this is their Black Panther. Like, this is the first time there's going to be a lot of representation of a, new, of a culture which may have been whitewashed in the past, may have been inappropriated in the past. And this isn't their big moment to have the global zeitgeist anymore. It's not going to be like millions of people in their drones going to the cinema. And you hear those collective experiences. I, I I, sorry to with my ignorance, just to compare this to the black Panther movie when that came out, but um, we went to a screening of that. And I got to say, it was one of the best experiences I've ever had in the cinema, not just because I saw an awesome film, but because you could feel the good vibes in the crowd of, I have been waiting my whole life to see something like this. Growing up I've never seen me on screen and Mulan is an opportunity for another set of people to get those feels and those inspirations and we're going to miss out on that. So that's kind of that's kind of sucky.
0: Yeah, I think this is going to make them uh, a shit ton of money though and it unfortunately might become more common for a streaming service to upsell you the latest new thing, you know. Mm.
1: But Netflix Keep I don't I, I don't know a lot of people are saying it's going to do gangbusters but like so officially Disney have done 70 million subscribers to Disney Plus that's the last number they released bear in mind they released during the pandemic and things will change and numbers are reporting in all time but 70 millions the number being touted so let's say 10% of that audience spent $30 and uh, purchased Mulan that's going to give them a return of something along the lines of $210 uh, million. Now, bear in mind, the film probably cost about $150 to make. They've already marketed uh, a lot of it over the year, and they've had to keep remarketing because of COVID. I don't actually know if they're going to break even but then again what do i like there might be a bunch of other stuff that's 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 flinty math so take it for what you will but um i'm not too sure that's going to be the norm like for example black widow um i don't think that's going to come on disney plus anytime soon just because the amount of money they've invested in it but then again they spent like 75 million getting um buying that hamilton uh musical which by the way is excellent (laughs) money well spent So, hmm, I don't know, Uh, but maybe, maybe it's the death of cinema, or maybe it's just a a fad. But uh, did you like Tron? Um, Tron? No, you didn't. Oh man, (laughs) no, I I,
0: I didn't. I don't know Tron very well.
1: You know? Okay, so it's a classic eighties movie.
2: uh... Parents love that movie. They saw it on
1: their first date oh that's nice uh, they done like a, a crappy sequel um i don't want to say crappy it was just wasn't very good um in 2010 called tron legacy and uh I'm, it was great for lots of great reasons but maybe not so for a bunch of others as well but uh there's going to be a third movie and jared leto has announced that he is involved he is going to be the lead in it now this is a direct sequel to that not so good sequel to the movie your parents went to and um Jared Leto, man, like he's got such a range. I love hearing and seeing. Bear in mind, though, it's kind of a weird role for him because he didn't even know there was a pandemic going on. Did you hear about this?
0: Yeah, he was off somewhere. Uh, He found out it's super late, didn't he?
1: Where was he? So he went on a, I don't know what you call this, but like a vow of silence off technology. So he went out to a desert and he locked himself away from society for like, 13 days or something ridiculous like that you know that episode of black mirror where they're like taking the mickey out of a technology company and the ceo is like on his retreat jared leto went and literally done one of those things and when he came out they're like um yeah jared the world's a bit different now mate um you might need to wear a mask going into airports so it's kind of weird that the technophobe that uh, i don't know if it's a technophobe but it sounds like he is uh is going to do a film very much heavily based on technology well, he always picks interesting stuff, doesn't he?
2: He's kind yeah, of
0: a you, character.
1: You got. He's also like deceptively old. I don't mean that in a horrible way. Like he looks so young. Like he was. He's like he was in movies in the eighties as a teenage, as like a late teenager, uh, early twenties man, and he is still able to play. Like like his range is huge, right? What's your favorite? Have you got a favorite? Of that movie? Oh,
2: Dallas Buyers Club.
1: Yes. Thank yes. you that's why I've got Jamie with me. See, <laughs> yeah, that is so good, isn't it? Isn't it? Although I paint. Oh, he's forty-eight. No way. And he was
0: obviously in Thirty Seconds to Mars, wasn't he? In our emo uh, noughties days, you
1: probably <laughs> growing up. Still going, they're still going, man. He does a really dope cover of um, Stronger the um Kanye West song anyway I digress anyway Jared Leto has confirmed that he is going to be in the next Tron movie and they have some very special ideas while we're still talking about Disney it's a Disney property uh, if that's very Disney focused um uh pod for the news uh Disney are going to be remaking three men and a baby and they are eyeing up Zac Efron for the lead on this now I think a lot of people of a certain age, which makes me feel horrible saying that, holds this film very dear to their heart. Jamie, was Three Men and a Baby something you you loved?
2: I never saw Three Men and a Baby, but I have a renewed love for Zach Efron because of his down-to-earth uh, Netflix documentary.
1: Yeah, he's also like a really... like. First of all, that show is awesome. Like, um, I didn't think I would enjoy watching a rich person go do ex- amazing stuff I'm never going to do. Yeah. But there's something really, really just he just seems like a really i know it sounds stupid, but a down to earth guy like he just seems to, to enjoy his stuff he's yeah. also really funny like uh, bad neighbors he's so good in that and uh what else? Uh, that baywatch movie is not very good but he is funny in it to be fair um so yeah free men and a baby love it we'll take it who else would you would you cast in who would you cast in there so the dynamic is three men who Aren't very good at parenting and don't have anything to do with parenting. Have a stake in a child that's just been born, and one of them could be the dad, and all of they all bound together for a little while and look after the kid. It's, it's I know it sounds like a, a fucking terrible plot there, but it's actually a really charming, hilarious movie. And back in the day, it was like the best actors of the '80s, like Tom Selleck and people like that, were were involved. You know who I want in this, and I know there's the age range doesn't doesn't compute with this, but I want Paul Rudd in uh, that movie. Paul. He's
0: a,
2: he's a real charmer.
0: He's
1: about 20 years
0: older than Zach Efron
1: now. Yeah, but like you turn around, like, uh, there's not many people, straight or gay, would turn down Paul Rudd.
2: <laughs> Plus, I feel like age isn't as much of a factor in a movie about three men and their journey to paternity because uh, you guys don't have the same kind of a biological clock. So That's true. So, you can so have Paul Rudd. Why can not? True. All right,
0: Paul Rudd, Danny DeVito, and Zach Efron. <laughs>
1: yes yes sold sold absolutely take my money now but and... um, interesting to <laughs> say about that with um with uh paul rudd at his age so i can't remember the gentleman's name it's really fucking horrible i i wrote this down somewhere as well do you remember the movie cocoon mm, no so it's a, it's a it's a steven spielberg classic movie i think steven spielberg uh, about these old folks who live in an old folks home they break away and uh, they essentially they've unlocked the key to eternal youth and uh, they essentially, and it's to do with aliens and that sort of thing. I won't spoil it. It's a very, very good film, very charming film, very of its time. Uh, but one of the actors who plays one of the old people in it, he was just a really old looking person, even though he was actually quite young. So he went on for about 30 to 40 years, just playing old people. And uh, unfortunately he passed away recently. And it's really bad. I can't remember John's name. We'll tweet an RIP and everything else because we, yeah, we should celebrate good actors. And um, he is older, older, then then when then paul rudd is now so paul rudd who is still playing like young acting sort of things there's just there, it's literally like a thing across twitter people who have passed this age like um ben affleck uh, brad pitt like they're all past the age of you should actually be playing old decrepit men now in movies but uh, they're somehow timeless but yeah i'd love to see that john great fan casting so what else so uh, john wick Love this man. Love Keanu Reeves. Nothing the man can't do. Um, he's a very busy boy. Not only is he just finishing up the new Bill and Ted movie, he'll be starting on John Wick. And they have to start. They have started uh, pro, uh, pre-production on this as well as production of that fourth Matrix movie. But they have decided that for John Wick, the fourth and fifth, so they've announced as a fifth movie, which is always good uh, for me, um, they're going to be filming these back-to-back. It's really rare when these sort of things happen, but it's pretty cool. Save hundreds of
0: millions, surely. Films, it's becoming more common, isn't it? If you know you've got two in the bag.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're doing. actually, you're right, it's becoming more common, especially in the last few years. Uh, Avengers, Infinity War and Endgame was filmed back-to-back. Uh, Mission Impossible 7 and 8, I think, is currently being filmed back-to-back, providing Tom Cruise uh, survives. And um, what else was done back-to-back? The Back to the Future movies, Part 2 and 3, were done back-to-back.
2: Really? I didn't know that.
1: So it's not yeah, a, that, not a new idea. It's not a new idea, but it's been a while since they've, they've started doing that. But I think this is literally like a legitimate reason is Keanu Reeves is obviously of a certain man of a certain age, and how long can they keep doing this? But while we were speaking about a Robert Zemeckis movie about the future, oh such a good segue. Um, Disney are eyeing up Tom Hanks to play Geppetto in Robert Zemeckis' uh, Pinocchio. It's gonna be a live action remake, and they are eyeing up Tom Hanks. I think they've worked together on four occasions so let's just try and figure this out forrest, forrest gump. gump cast away polar express and yeah this will be the fourth time mm. um they're going to be working together uh and live action remakes which are always interesting and we hope for better or worse but tom hanks as geppetto i i'm down for this i'm down for this yes
0: Mulan all that Mulan money Disney gonna make give (laughs) give all that moolah to Tom Hanks make it happen because that is a good casting opportunity
1: I I agree with you I but he's already got so many iconic roles under his belt and it's not fair that one person has so many iconic roles under their belt but anyway um, it's when
0: it's Tom Hanks flinty yeah good point he won't be around forever oh don't
1: say that that's (laughs) (laughs) horrible.
2: He but did survive really... COVID, though, didn't
1: he? He did, didn't he? And the amount—apparently, the hospital that he was staying at—they had to stop um, ex- receiving packages because he was legitimately receiving millions. I don't have millions don't know, A lot <laughs> of uh, a lot of Wilson balls. Oh, uh, I, I have one of them right now. No way! This is a big reveal moment. <gasps> oh, look at that! I know through the medium of uh, audio you can't really see that. So I'm going to screenshot that. I was like, how can I, there I go. Where can I scooter. get one of them? Pliny. I need one of them. Just, go, just, just go on Amazon really mate and just type in Wilson ball. And there's loads of them. Uh, this actually isn't mine. I went to, the, I went to my office uh, to get some things. And, uh, one of my friends has this on his desk. So if he's listening, JT Wilson made an appearance. Um, so what you're but, saying is you stole someone's property. <laughs> I've stolen. Uh, yeah, yeah. If, if anyone from the business fashion is of is listening, uh, I I, ha- I have the entire office. Yeah, uh,
2: formal uh, apology to JT. <laughs> I you're, you're
1: well sent. Sorry, he sent me his address so i'll just go you know i'll just just go around there and hang out <laughs> for a bit it'll be fine um so that's pretty much it for news although there's one thing we got a trailer john like it's not a remake It's actual original ip lordy um, trailer dropped i know lordy lordy Titan. um so it's a trailer for judas and the black messiah it's got daniel kalua starring in it now i am so like literally this guy Everything he is in is gold dust. I think every performance he does from that one episode of black mirror to get out to black Panther to uh, queen and slim. We're talking about this off mic. my film of the year so far. And I know that's not saying much because 2020 has been kind of shit. It's like saying you're the best looking person in Clacton. It doesn't really count, Mm -hmm. but queen and slim is a genuine, amazing movie film of the year. If you do get a chance to see it, I highly, highly recommend it. And, uh, Again, he is touching upon uh I don't know how to describe this in the best way possible, but black exploitation in terms of uh tapping into those cultural uh feels and things that are going on and what a time for these sort of films to be coming out. And the trailer dropped for it. John, what's your your take on this? Yeah, I
0: thought it was a great trailer. Sort of um obviously it's following the Black Panther movement in the kind of sixties and seventies, right? Um but based on a true story. You can completely see this is great casting because Daniel Kalua's delivery just in the trailer oh, man, will so get you good. pumped. It's incredible.
1: Um, Jesse Plemons in it as yeah. well. Who, who is plays uh, awkward white man. guy in everything he ever does. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yep. And uh, oh, what film was it in? We saw, we reviewed ages ago. Um, Game Nights. Is it Game Night? <laughs> Even good in comedy. He's so good you. in that.
0: Yeah. yeah. Good. But yeah, this looks really good. I'm pumped for this. Um and his American accent never ceases to impress. Me. I know, like
1: it's it's ab- it's unbelievable, right? Um, and the thing is, maybe it's because we're we're so numb to accents that we don't necessarily get. It. Jamie, you're American. Could you? Could you does, does he does he pass the test?
2: He passes the test with flying colors, Flinty. His American accent is absolutely flawless. There
1: you go. What's, That's... Your, uh, what's your British accent? Because you, you do a bit of acting. What's your? Can you give us your best British accent?
2: I would put. I would. Uh destroy my career if i reveal <laughs> my british accent on the air right now maybe someday you'll get to hear you it. do
0: the queen's english very well darling
1: can't you
2: one time i played mary oh, poppins yeah. on a cruise ship so <laughs> i can say i'm absolutely flabbergasted
1: uh, that's pretty good. That is pretty good, to be fair. You, that's you sound the best about we do. do. No, that's that's amazing. Yeah, in in years time, when when you are cast as Jane Bond, we will say that you uh, you were here. Um, so anyway, that is your news for this week. This is not a Netflix original, but it has dropped on Netflix over the last week. The Peanut Butter Falcon. uh, Shia LaBeouf stars in this. John, you and Jamie saw this movie. What the hell is it about, apart from a cool title? An amazing title. So this
0: story focuses on... Uh, Zach who is a young man with Down syndrome uh, and he unfortunately for some reason it maybe it's making some kind of political point but he's in a care home which he shouldn't really be in but he's being looked after by a lovely lady played by Dakota Johnson who kind of also takes care of all the old people and she also takes care of him even though it's not really her job Uh, So, Zach has dreams of being a wrestler. He absolutely is obsessed by this old... 70s or 80s wrestling tape with the salt water
2: saltwater redneck
0: saltwater redneck this uh it's kind of not even wwe it's kind of budget wrestling and he is obsessed by this guy so he is desperate to escape this care home which he's basically imprisoned by and to kind of follow his dreams and go to this wrestling school that uh he that features in these videos so Eventually, this uh, old boy who lives in the care home kind of helps him and he gets out. So what happens next, darling?
2: Well, this is a quintessential adventure movie. It's a quintessential bro road trip journey to self-discovery. So when Zach breaks out of the care home, he encounters Shia LaBeouf's character, Tyler, who is at a crossroads himself. Um, he has lost his brother, tragically. We don't know how yet. No spoilers. And he's lost his job and he's he's in a dark place. And this unlikely pair ends up journeying on foot and on raft.
0: Yes, kind uh, of a on-foot movie rather yeah, than a road movie. It's not
2: really a road movie, but it feels like a road trip movie, doesn't it?
0: It is Um, so. The basically the bulk of this movie is following um, Shia LaBeouf's character and Zach around uh, this adorable kind of bromance. Uh, Obviously, Shia LaBeouf it kind of starts where he's uh, annoyed by him and wants to get rid of him, and eventually he kind of grows in him, and they they develop this romance which is just really heartening and really is the heart of this movie it's why it's got 96 percent on rotten tomatoes i think um it only clocks 93 minutes so it whizzes by this movie love a short film we love a short movie hashtag hosts um (laughs) but yes so this is all building up i mean all the way through the movie i was like this is a five this is a five this is brilliant but i was really worried that they're gonna because it's building up to this ending you know something's going to happen in the end and you're worried that they might overdo it or they're just going to overcook something and maybe spoil it maybe it'll get a bit too daft um there is a kind of ultimate scene it builds up to but it doesn't go too crazy
2: it's like a little a a beautiful touch of surrealism
0: it is a bit surreal
2: but just enough
0: (laughs) it definitely made us look at each other and go "Uh, (laughs) okay i can dig that i can dig that um but what a, so a few things about this movie soundtrack is amazing uh it's an incredibly folksy soundtrack also this is uh set in the deep south in
2: north carolina
0: north carolina which is basically swamp country think alligators um yeah. it's, a, <laughs> it's amazing the accents i love them obviously uh couldn't stop uh trying to talk like that for the next day <laughs> so sorry to all americans offended by that um so yeah, this is it's, it's a bromance movie. Uh, Dakota Johnson catches up with them sort of halfway through the movie and obviously there's also an actual romance kind of side story going on as well. Um I mean if, there's so much to love about this movie but Zach's performance in it I think really uh, I think it's an amazing performance.
2: Yeah, the actor is called Zach as well, isn't
0: he? Yes. Zach Gotts again. And that's not just to say it's a great, you know, because he's got descent uh, Down syndrome. It's in spite of that. I think it's a, it's a really impressive performance On by him. Down.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And Shia LaBeouf and him have obviously developed a lot of uh, emotional connection off camera as well, because it just looked so they were having such a good time together. And there was, uh, I think, they bounced off each other really well. Um, as you alluded to at the start, Shia LaBeouf really picks his movies now. He seems. He's one of them actors, uh, like Brad Pitt used to be. I will watch anything because I just think he picks interesting roles, and I want to see what he's up to. Shia LaBeouf is like that for me. He's picked an absolute corker of a. It's an original, quite a, a very small cast, mm. very uh, small movie, and but it's it's doing so well, and it deserves all the plaudits because it is just it's just heartfelt gold,
1: and it will make you what will it make I you? I think they're going to be talking about cry. Shia Booth for years, <laughs> aren't they? I mean, scholars are going to be sitting there going, was he nuts or a genius? <laughs> maybe because just like, like, like yeah, maybe there is something in that of just a bit of both. Like this is a guy who literally rented a cinema out for a 48 hour period straight, just to sit there and watch all these movies and like invited anyone who wanted to. And he literally sat there and would stand and applaud his own performances to the point it become memes and stuff like that. And, and you hear about all these weird, crazy stuff he gets up to, but then every now and again, there's an artist in there. Like for example, um, I think recently he's doing a movie a gangster movie and he has had a full body tattoo done because he wants to get in under the skin of the character quite literally. And his whole body has been tattooed uh, for, for the role. And uh, he's obviously an artist. He suffers for his art and he'll do, you know, he will find the the things, but it's got to be the projects that motivates him. So when um, this, this is, One of the reasons why, when I saw it pop up and we got the email from Netflix saying this is coming out next week, I was like, ah, this sounds like it might be right up John's alley. And it sounds like it was. Shall we look at what some of the other critics are saying? So you're right. Rotten Tomatoes, 96% on both accounts. It's been out for like a year now, this movie. So the fact that it's still maintaining those sort of scores is no small feat. Let's talk about someone uh, Someone who said it was a smash. Okay, so this is from Kevin Mayer at The Times. Uh, I think we know Kevin, actually. Um, like a Disney family drama from TV times past, this feel-good movie is so homely, so warm and fuzzy, so darn wholesome that it's almost too much. <laughs> uh, would you agree with that?
0: Definitely, but it wasn't too much for me. I mean, Kevin from the Times, maybe you just need to loosen, you know, melt that stony heart a little bit and enjoy it for what it is. But um, I thought, yeah, he's bang on. It's definitely feel good, family and warm and fuzzy. Some people don't like the warm and fuzz, but
1: I'm a big. We need that man. We need it right now, (laughs) especially now. So it's come out of the. It's
0: sort of come to Netflix at the right time, and I definitely encourage everyone who needs to pick me up to watch it and lose yourself for 90 minutes
1: yeah and this is what annoys me about about film people sometimes right like, like not us. every film has to be like the most amazing cinematic experience you'll ever have in your life it's escapism and if you get that warm fuzzy feeling it's been a long time actually like saying when you're a kid you used to watch those sort of uh, buddy travely movies and stuff like that they, they don't come out that often if they do they have to be big right and it's just nice that people still make these sort of things should we hear about what someone rotten what someone rotten said about it so um matt clipper of the of film monthly and i quote it it adds up to a climax that ropes in sub block oh so he's put dash 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 to try and add a bit more levity to it so it adds up to a climax that's wrote in subplots hopes in trying anything together but it isn't a take that is very smoothly done it's a folk tale
0: um i think he's missing i mean he, he might have a point but i think he's missing the.
2: i don't think yeah. it was i didn't feel the ending was too neat i don't know I, I also hate when people film people feel like a movie has to be gritty and dark in order to be really good do
1: you know what i mean (laughs) or even in a city where no one likes each other
2: exactly i don't know i think a movie can be deeply well done on many levels and be sweet and can wrap up you know in a
0: tell a sweet story and it doesn't even it's not maybe it's not an original story um, well,
2: but- it has echoes of, of old, you know, it has echoes of Mark Twain, Huck Finn's mm. sorts of stuff, but it feels original for now.
1: Mm. Mm. So there you go. You're Finny. so much more classy, than us, Jamie. Me and John <laughs> yeah, I liked it. You want enough boobs for my liking, but anyway.
2: <laughs> nah. <laughs> okay,
1: so, so give this sucker a score, guys. Where are you going to go first? I am going to go for,
0: f- I, I want to give it a five, but I might just give it a four just for a couple of the mild criticisms that we, they alluded to in in a couple of those reviews i think they've got a point just pushing it just down one but it's truly four and a half maybe because it's well worth your time it is very very good so check it out
2: as are we allowed half half stars
1: well we, we, we can make we've done so we've done we like. 200 reviews now john it's getting bloody hard to try and do like a top list of all these things so let, i think we can allow the halves Thank I would you. say
2: four and a half as well.
1: There we go. Yeah. Consensus. There we go. So there you have it. Four and a half out of five. The peanut butter falcon okay so let's do let's do another review uh, netflix original now from one film that sounds like a really pleasant watch to something which might not be as pleasurable it's a documentary on netflix called athlete a uh, this is a howling yet essential viewing as described by a lot of the the critics is that essentially what this documentary follows is uh, the u.s olympics gymnastics team and uh, you know for those of you who've been living under a rock on this there's been a lot of accusations uh, against uh the olympic committee of the u.s and one particular doctor and this is a documentary following uh, a an investigation and the stories of some of the ladies involved in this um where to begin on this sort of thing um i've felt a bit weird saying let's review it and talk about it because we're not talking you know anything we're we're talking about the, the entertainment factor of making a good documentary and we always say on talk Films too when we review a documentary does it inform you does it warrant its existence and does it make you think differently about a situation after watching it and i think there's probably a lot of mixed answers to that and uh, i it's good we got someone as classy as jamie because me and john just go yeah it was a bit of a twat weren't he shouldn't have done it <laughs> um so guys what's your your take on this documentary
2: i i found it Fascinating in that I couldn't look away. Hmm. Uh, I can see, I can see, I guess, several sides to the argument in terms of the potential for re traumatizing survivors by asking them to continually rehash their stories um, for, for basically entertainment is problematic, but I think the way the filmmakers went about this, and I read an interview with them as well, and they spoke specifically about that issue. Um, I think the way they went about this was really compassionate and tough where it needed to be tough, uh, and centered on the victims. It didn't center on, the assholes who allowed the abuse to go on for so many years, it 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 um, it raised the victims who were brave enough to speak up, and those who felt they couldn't speak up, it raised them onto a pedestal uh, and told their stories in a way yeah. that I thought was really respectful.
1: I I agree with that. I think that uh, Netflix has gotten very good at making these sort of things. They've got a lot of experience now under their belts with these sort of things, whether that's acquiring the footage or, or producing it themselves. And I if you didn't know too much about this this documentary film, and then you saw the trailers or the way the press was being done about this, I do think it's been done in a completely different way. Because maybe I think I, d- I think they may have changed the trailers now. But when they first done the uh, drop, some of the first trailers for this, they almost made it look like a a real life version of Whiplash of. Look at these horrible things these these girls went through, but it was all in the pursuit of excellence. And as and that's not the story at all. In fact, that's that's not really the point. The point is actually these are survivors, and these are people that have been through a harrowing experience. And this is about accountability, but also uh, not shaming them. And I thought it was yeah. that that it was done in a, a really like I say, I I thought that being very ignorant to it to be. 100 honest like i did not know too much about what was going on behind the scenes other than you'd hear the odd news reports but you wouldn't necessarily know all the details this paints the truth in a way which informs you so that's good uh, does it warrant its existence well yeah it helps a the survivors would be also the truth is out there and are you better off for knowing so for those reasons i think it's uh, a fantastic uh, documentary all being like you say you can't turn away from it Mm. although and it's it's that's like we talk about this all the time in this pod about how we are fucked up as a species that this is entertainment <laughs> right mm. we go oh have you heard about this fucked up thing what's your thing about ipstein or or, or madeleine mccann or, or or and and now this to the to the list to an extent and i'm not trying to compare the things they're covering i'm just saying the, the act of wanting to watch these sort of things is says a lot about us as well uh, john what's your your take on this my take was I didn't watch it, really. <laughs> no, this, this, uh
2: Well, you didn't want... I don't think you wanted to. That
0: This was on your list.
2: Yeah, I I think when I was watching it, you said that you... Well, because it's so sad and dark and horrible, <laughs> you weren't that interested in watching.
0: Yeah, um, I think it slightly crosses the line for me. Like, uh, I mean, Don't Fuck With Cats was a bit of a... That was one that Netflix oversto- overstepped the mark on, I think. And does does this feel like that?
2: I I don't think so because because
0: they're involved
2: and, and they had so much agency. And yeah. you get to yeah. see how heroic they were. One of the victims, Rachel Den Hollander, is basically the lead attorney on this <laughs> prosecution case against Larry Nassar, and. And at the end, I mean, this isn't a spoiler, I guess, but at the end, you um, have the opportunity to see all of these different victims who wanted to give statements at his sentencing about Mm -hmm. his impact on them, which is so empowering, I think.
1: Um, and it is inspiring right because uh now team gb are starting to and i, I don't mean this i'm just i'm just reporting reporting is a terrible description with <laughs> nothing we do is reporting i'm just uh, highlighting that in recent weeks uh, team gb have been receiving a number of requests for inquiries on the treating the uh, treatment of uh, female gymnasts and yeah Yes, obviously these things don't happen in isolation. Yes, obviously they would have been aware that this would have been going on long before this documentary came out. But at a similar time this documentary comes out becomes part of the public zeitgeist, which means people feel brave more uh, empowered and find pluck up a little bit more bravery to be able to have a platform a little bit more. So
2: Yeah, and it it's is it's good for the world because it 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 lifts the veil on this glamorous industry, which is what it is that uh, has been exploiting little girls for decades. And mm. there was a lot that I didn't know about, about USA Gymnastics in particular, but the, this whole gymnastics world. Um, what you said at the beginning about like, oh, these girls have gone through so much, but it's worth it because they got the gold. I feel like that is has been our discourse about gymnastics and probably athletics mm. in general for you know forever and and we need to change that conversation because it means that the the athletes themselves are disempowered to say actually that's not okay with me to be abused first of all to have to compete when i'm very badly injured to be treated by people who have no no credentials uh and who are not acting in accordance with my best interest for, for my health, so I, yeah, I thought I, it was really important.
1: I agree with you. And there's a, a there's a kind of a moment when because I like I say I'm not fully up to speed on the real world events this documentary is based on. So as these things are unraveling, because first of all you sit there and just go, well, it's just a pursuit of excellence, and this is part of the course. And then you hear and understand and go, oh my god, no! I thought you just meant they were bullied a little bit by their coach, and they showed no there are some damn fucking horrible things that these women go through and continue to as part of, unfortunately as the, you know, these things don't happen in isolation and the scars are there long after. And I think the runtime helps with that because John, you mentioned about other documentaries that Netflix does and they tend to do them as, they tend to do them as a series, not as a short film. And then you get that Netflix blows, and then you get a lot of stuff. This prioritizes the right messages. And the right messages are about, like you say, the survivors and making sure that there's accountability for the things that they went through. Um, I don't really know how to score this, to be honest. Like uh it's I generally think it's like say in, through the medium of storytelling, they tell us the story and it's the right voice and for that alone i think that's great uh, but obviously the subject matter makes it hard to say it's a smash hit um mm-hmm. where do you where do you go for this
2: i think in terms of d- documentary filmmaking i thought it was excellent like i i, I would give it five yeah. not not because it's rip roaring entertainment is that an american phrase <laughs> i think no might we be. got that okay not because it's <laughs> rip roaring entertainment but because it's uh informative as you said and it justifies its existence and it's already making waves um beyond the scope that it
1: that- oh my god yeah do you remember that um that documentary netflix done a couple of years ago john i can't remember what it was called about the doping in russia and it literally become global news it started a scandal which uh, caused the it basically led to the russian uh, olympics team being banned and I wonder if this will have similar ramifications. It's only mm. been out for like a month or so. And obviously lockdown does change things in terms of uh, affirmative action with these sort of governing bodies. But as long as the drum keeps being beat with this, then maybe this will have global ramifications like, um, I can't remember the name of it now, it's still my head in. Um, do you remember it, John? Yes. Icarus. Really good
0: documentary. Icarus, that's the one. Yeah. No, I've, I hope so. Yeah. Um... And I think people underestimate the power. I mean, journalism is being decimated as an industry, really. Uh and you never know the most important journalists of tomorrow might be documentary filmmakers. Um, and the people with the money to pay for that, uh Netflix and fund it. So hopefully, you know, we'll see some important journalism through. That might be one of the positives to takeaway out of this entertaining. <laughs> yeah. Dark documentary genre that we're all obsessed with.
2: There's a line, isn't there? But I think I think this did not go over the line, in my opinion.
1: Mm. Yeah, yeah, done very very well so i agree with you on that so athlete a five out of five available on netflix and uh, i think that's it for the pod this week guys so uh, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this pod if you've enjoyed what you've been listening to if you like the cut of our chip, click on that like follow subscribe whatever button it is that you get more content from talk film to me i want to thank jamie aka mary poppins how can people find you
2: oh um i'm on twitter at jamie pruden uh there's two eyes in my name j-a-i-m-i-e p-r-u-d-e-n i'm also on instagram and i have a podcast called how to save the world podcast
0: which is doing important things and highlighting awesome ways to uh, be a better person
2: we that's what we go for so yeah <laughs> thanks for having me i had a blast
1: awesome and john descimento my boy happy can people find you you can find me on twitter at descimento Uh, we will be back next week we'll also be doing a live stream in the next couple of weeks as well you'll see that available if you are a podcast subscriber on podbean if you follow us on that you'll get a notification when that live stream will go live thank you to everyone that's been involved thus far we'll keep doing them if you keep listening and everything in between so uh, be good to each other wash your hands keep two meters apart and wear a damn mask till next time Bye bye bye